Hello and welcome to TTELT, Teaching Tips for English Language Teachers. I'm your host today, Dr. Eileen Hale, and I have a new guest, Sarah Cunningham, who is also a new board member with us. We're so thrilled to have her as a board member. She also is a former teacher with her doctorate in psychology and is an executive at a nonprofit organization. Sarah is going to talk to us today about working with students who've experienced trauma. Welcome, Sarah. It's such a pleasure to have you join us today. Thank you, Eileen. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's dive in. What kind of psychological needs are important to be aware of that impact our students' success? Sure, that's a great question. I think that everyone who's taught understands that there are so many factors that impact student learning that have nothing to do with your classroom and almost nothing to do with your curriculum. We're talking about learning barriers that happen outside of the school building, whether it's at recess, at the playground, in the hallways, or at home, in their building, their neighborhood, in the community. Kids are oftentimes bringing those problems into the classroom and they impact how they perform. And it kind of takes us back to Maybe your first year of teacher ed, when you're preparing to be a teacher, they teach you about Maslow's hierarchy. You probably remember it. Abraham Maslow, he also was a psychologist, and he created this um, pyramid diagram. I think it was 1943, and it identified the needs, the, the five human needs. And at the very top of it, he called it self-actualization, but that's just a fancy way for probably saying for, for students to rise to their potential at the very top of the pyramid, they had these underlying needs that were really important. Uh, at the baseline, you would see physical needs, things like food, water, oxygen, the things that humans need to survive. The next level, though, and this is important for students who are maybe immigrants or refugees or, or living in a community that doesn't speak their native language, the next level is safety. And uh, when you are removed from the familiar, from the family and friends and the language that um, help you connect to your environment, oftentimes there's an elevated sense of risk and fear that might go along with the unknowns. The next level is love and belonging. And I think that one's even more important because uh, students who especially have been displaced and are coming to a new community who maybe don't speak the language, they um, at, they feel isolated. They feel detached from those around them. If the community, the school principals and teachers and the students all speak a different language, they feel like outsiders looking in and it's very difficult to uh, kind of grow that sense of belonging. And then the next level is esteem. Essentially, what do we think about ourselves? And a student could be exceptionally bright and maybe in their home region where they're speaking their native language, they're able to um, excel and they're high achievers, but put them in a new environment with a new language where everyone around them speaks this language and understands the systems for being successful. All of a sudden, if they're comparing themselves to same age peers who are native English speakers, they may start to feel bad about themselves. They may uh, adopt a sense of shame or a sense of failure. And so I think as teachers, we have a really important um, opportunity. We oftentimes think the world revolves around our classroom, but really it's the problems in the world that um, kind of are coming into our classroom and impacting learning. 
Definitely. That's so true. As we know, I mean, I'm here in Florida and we have so many immigrants coming from Cuba, for example, right now is just one yes. quick example. But as you mentioned, everything that's happening in the world affects our classrooms. So this is really, really relevant topic. And I appreciate you jumping into. Can you expand a little bit more on what types of trauma you mentioned a little bit that the students uh, might be facing that can interfere with their learning and how to address once we identify some things, how to address it as teachers in the classroom, because oftentimes we have so many students coming from such varied backgrounds that it can be overwhelming for teachers to figure out ways to address issues they might see. So I kind of have a double question there loaded for you, sorry. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, let's start with part one. So what is trauma? Trauma is um, a physically or emotionally harmful event that has adverse impact, lasting impact, and probably it affects the way students function, uh, their normal level of function. And there are many types of trauma, but I can call out some main ones for you. And these impact everyone, not just students who are learning the English language, but um, they certainly include um, severe injury or illness, violence, whether it's they've experienced violence as a victim or whether they've witnessed violence that's happened in their community, their household, um, their country. Um, death of people they know particularly would be a, a high source of trauma. And then disasters like natural disasters or um, national level tragedies. And these are particularly important for people who are coming to a new community. If you think about some of the reasons why people might be displaced from their home country, some of them are very traumatic. Uh, war, and they, there could be militant groups, there could just be extreme poverty that makes it impossible to survive in the area that once flourished. And so having to pick up and leave Sometimes that in itself is a kind of trauma. But then the act of traveling, it can also be a, tra a trauma, the migration, whether it's, it could be a peaceful migration where someone's just buying a ticket and getting on a plane, but here you arrive at an airport where everyone speaks another language. Um, or it could be a very traumatic travel experience. It could be that there's some level of risk involved, that there's some level of secrecy, that people might have to walk a long time, travel at night, travel in a boat, be in confined quarters with lots of people where illness spreads and there might not be a, a lot of food or medicine to access. So that, that can be traumatic. And then once students get here, unfortunately, there's all kinds of trauma that can be experienced in society. For example, I think it was the Gallup poll that said a couple of years ago that 40% of Americans wish that immigration would decrease. Well, if almost half of Americans wish there were less immigrants, you can assume that some of them are not going to roll out the red carpet for people who come in and are not English language speakers. So because of that, our students may face racism, hate crimes, they could uh, face discrimination, and at the very least, a kind of exclusion and isolation that just comes from um, being in a new place and not speaking the language. They say 50% of immigrants and refugees report having some, some form of PTSD. So, so trauma is very big in that community. Um, yes. I think, oh, go ahead. No, sorry. I was just going to get to the how do we help the actual tangible things that we can leave our teachers with. And the time goes very quickly. 
what are some concrete things that teachers can do when they see the signs and they know some of the background of where these students are coming from, whether Ukraine, for example, or a lot of Ukrainians coming to America right now, and we all know about the horrible war over there, but what are the tangible things we could do in our classroom to help support our students' success? Sure. So to get to the second part of your question, the first thing I would say is you want to be able to notice symptoms or signs of trauma. Uh, I can put them in big categories for you because there are really dozens, if not hundreds, but one would be physical, just like you and I, if we get afraid or we have a sense of panic, there's a physical um, impact to us. It might be a beating heart, fast beating heart, could be a shortness of breath. It might be sweaty palms or a face that goes pale or flush because we're nauseous. We feel like we're going to pass out. You might see physical symptoms, but you also might see emotional symptoms. And this can be tricky because teachers can sometimes misread this and think that this student is resisting learning, that they're for some reason being defiant or oppositional, but oftentimes it's just their emotional coping skills coming through. They, they're carrying such a large burden that um, we see crying a little bit more, emotional outbursts where emotions are just coming to the surface and spilling onto the areas around them. There can be anger, irritability, depression. And then in terms of behaviors, teachers can notice um, some students will become very active, almost hyperactive hyper-vigilant perfectionists. It's their whole world is out of control. Everything has been turned upside down and they, they cope with that by becoming perfectionists and thinking, at least I can make my desk neat. At least I can get 101% on this assignment. That's something in their control. But you also see the opposite, right? You also see um, kids that become lethargic, that detach, um, that kind of just move away and stop trying because they've accepted, um, they've surrendered to the experience and they've maybe stopped trying. So what teachers can do when they start to see that, that's a trigger that there's an opportunity to help. And it's great that this podcast is focused on language because language is one of the top things you could do for someone in that circumstance, because language, language helps, um, you be successful in every facet of your life. You have to communicate with your family, your neighbors, your teachers, your students, your colleagues to get a job, the doctor, the mechanic. If you improve someone's ability to communicate in the language where they live, where they're immersed, uh, you're going to help them on all fronts of life. But I think on the very personal side, a thing that teachers can do is they can use that intuition to say, in this hour that this student's going to be in my class, or maybe it's seven or eight hours if it's elementary school, I'm going to use my intuition. I'm really going to focus on trying to create a calm and steady environment for this student. This may be the only stability they feel in their life today, and I'm going to make sure that I show them patience and compassion and care. But of course, those things aren't enough by themselves. You want to also maybe work with your caseworker or social worker or guidance counselor to connect students with support services in the community. There may be housing that's available. There may be food or other kinds of assistance that can help them with getting settled in. And you could also help connect them to people who speak their language or who are from their native country. If you already have students who are bilingual, who speak their, their native language as well as English, that could be very helpful. If you know of a church that has services that is, are in the language, you might be able to connect them to others in the community to help promote that sense of belonging. 
And uh, last, I think working with parents as much as we can, helping parents understand in, in their own language, having someone communicate to them, this is how the school is set up. This is how you can be successful and navigate the system for your students. Fantastic. Spot on. I love what you're sharing. These are all fantastic ideas. I think we're going to recruit you to give a workshop for us because you have so much information to share. It's hard to capture it in a short time. But thank you, Sarah. You've just scratched the tip of the iceberg with all this knowledge that you have. And we'd love to have you join us again. But we really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited because teachers have such an opportunity to make a difference. It's such a critical time in kids' lives where they're making decisions about how they'll feel about themselves and how they feel about learning for the rest of their lives. So what a time to help them master the English language and learn to be successful. Definitely. So thank you for all these tips. And we'll put some notes in our notes for all of you to follow up on with Sarah. Anything you want to share with them, how they might find you or resources that you might suggest, or do you want me to just include those in our show notes? I could send you along some for the show notes. Perfect. Great. All right. Well, thanks again, Sarah. We really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Eileen.